and welcome to Shameless, the celebrity and pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined as always by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that would be you. It sure would. Coming up on today's show, Jennifer Coolidge is suddenly absolutely everywhere. A collection of stories from the week that prove that men may well be the worst. Adele's divorce settlement has a sneaky catch. And then the big question from a Rolling Stone profile that had Dua Lipa stewing for days. But first, beloved Zara McDonald, how was your week? Oh God, how was my week? Um, you'd think I'm doing this podcast for nearly, is it nearly three years? We are coming up to our third birthday. So what is it now? So it's going to be Feb 4. It's Feb 3 when we're obviously recording this. We launched on March 12, 2018. Why do I know that? I know. Why do you know that? I did not know that. <laughs> we spent hours prepping for this show and this is every single week the one question that I forget to prep for. My week was relatively uneventful. Uneventful is a good thing, I think, in the context of weeks. I did a pizza competition, which was just cooking pizza against friends, which was lovely. So correct me if I've got this wrong. You and Ollie took your portable pizza oven to your friend's house and you each cooked in your different pizza ovens and it was like, who had the best pizza recipe? Yeah, who does the best pizzas, I guess. And what, like all your friends ate them and then you had to put your hand up and no, like No, vote. you voted in a bowl. <gasps> there was little, um, really? little bits of paper, yeah. The competition was flawed a bit because what I tend to do when I compete is I'm relatively competitive and a smart ass to compete <laughs> against. So I just quit when I'm winning. Like a minute I get ahead, I'm like, competition's over, I've won. I actually hate this about you. I love so many things it's about so you. It's so annoying. You're a wonderful, wonderful person. But you choosing to just throw the towel in <laughs> mid-competition as a competitive person pushes my buttons. I don't even just do it when I win. I do it when I lose because it annoys the the person winning as well. I throw the town. I've always, I'm a big proponent for quitting. I've said this on the podcast. Why? Do you just get tired? Are you lazy? I have an issue with perseverance sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) So what happens? So you were winning by one vote and you throw in the towel. Yeah, we just announced we were done. Are you and Ollie on the same page when you do that? Like is he also someone who throws in the towel? Totally. Were your friends really pissed off? Yeah. I, I would literally get so angry, particularly if I had a few drinks. I would basically oh, yeah. kick everyone out. I'd be like, we're well, done. Just don't verse me. Verse is not a word. Your mum would not be happy with that. <laughs> Speech pathologist Vicky Andrews would not be happy with me using the word verse. Let's not compete against each other at all. Okay, happily. I make a shitty pizza anyway. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Trust me, I know. Hey, tell me about your week. Your week was far more dramatic than mine. Sad news. I got struck down with the Armageddon of gastrobugs on the weekend mm. and it was dire. I'm still a little bit shell-shocked. I'm sitting here behind the microphone weak as a feather because I haven't eaten much in a very long time and I'm slowly recovering but things were bad. On Sunday night I started to feel sick. I was like wow I'm really not feeling like my dinner and I just made this delightful burrito bowl for Mitch and I. Mitch was like hoeing into it enjoying it. I was like I know it tastes good but I don't want to eat it and I was like how odd and then I looked at my period tracker app and I'm like oh it's because I'm ovulating and you know me. Yeah. I get ovulation pain not period pain guys don't know why. (laughs) So I was like. How to buck a trend 101. (laughs) I was like oh it's just me being classic old me getting ovulation pain. And then progressively, things got worse and worse. And I was like, am I going to vomit? Like, why would I vomit right now? Am I pregnant? So I was like, crap, need a pregnancy test. Am I pregnant? Not pregnant. And I was like, okay, weird. Why did I just have a cheeky vom? Haven't drunk anything, not hungover, whatever. Cue the worst night of my life. And I know that sounds hyperbolic. Like, I know you're both sitting there being like, no, you've told us about bad nights in your life before. This night takes the cake. I reckon... There was nothing left in my body. It was disgusting, guys. I did not sleep. 
I stayed up and watched a million episodes oh. of The Office Could back Could you to concentrate back? on them? Because when I've been sick before, sometimes you just lie there staring at the ceiling because it's like I can't even look at anything moving. I don't even know what I was doing. I think I went into like a trance-like state of mind where I was on a different planet. I don't even know. I'm still not even sure that I'm here in flesh, <laughs> in person. She like, may well be hallucinating through the whole episode, but it's far more entertaining. <laughs> I did hallucinate at one point. I was this close to messaging you a segment topic where I was like, Zara, we need to talk about this cool TikTok trend that I've noticed of people, get this, remodelling their dead parents' furniture and giving it like a cool interior design spin. What the hell? So much death. Yeah, I know. I know. And in the moment, it all made sense. I was like, what a perfect topic for Shameless. Like, this is the topic for us. Let's put our own spin on it. I wrote an essay in our Slack channel being like, this is why we need to talk about the very morbid furniture TikTok trend. Went to press send. And as I hovered my finger over the button, went, hang on. Is this a real trend or have I been hallucinating or in like a weird fever dream for the last hour and I've concocted something completely fake in my mind? And I was shocked to learn that, yes, I hadn't slept, I hadn't eaten in a very long amount of time, I had no electrolytes in my body and I had hallucinated a TikTok trend. Well, this is what I found interesting is because when we were talking about this in the office, everyone was like, yeah, you hallucinate when you sometimes have a fever. And I was like, I'd never heard of that. And then I was like, have I? And then have I just not known that I was hallucinating? And then I'm like, oh my God, was I going crazy without realising? There was an episode we did last year. I had to interview Jules Von Hepp. And you messaged me just before the interview, despite being deathly ill, and said, I'm ready, I'm going to come, I'm going to do it. And I was oh, like, but I no, was, I was high on painkillers. Like, I had the strongest painkillers. So I remember that, and I definitely wasn't in the right headspace. Like, I was abs- I was never, I was not in a good, I've never been able to take those painkillers since, for good reason. Good call. We should get on to our recommendation. It is a shared recommendation this week, Zara, and it is... It's a sin on Stan. It is. Annabelle, have you seen it yet? Yes, oh, she, so good. She loved it. So there we go. I reckon this is the TV show that literally every single person in the world is talking about over the last couple of weeks, maybe. Literally every single Everyone. person. So in this the is world. hardly the most earth shattering recommendation. But yes, It's a Sin is on Stan. It follows the lives of three main boys. I reckon I'm going to call them boys because they're late teen when we're introduced to them, early 20s. Boys in London who moved there sort of early 1980s when the AIDS epidemic really starts to take off, Mish. Yeah. And this is a fascinating one because believe it or not, I mean, I was born in 1994. By that point, people were very educated about the AIDS epidemic. I didn't live through it. I actually haven't seen much done about the AIDS epidemic. Like, obviously, it was a storyline in Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie that looked at the lives of the Queen band members. And I remember finding that really interesting. But this was the first series that I've watched that truly delved into the lives of the LGBTIQ community in the late 80s, early 90s. And I just found it absolutely riveting. I mean, I don't know if you'll agree with this, but I just think British drama outdoes US dramas again and again and again. Any day of the week. Why are they so... Are British people just the best actors in the world? I don't know what the hell it is or the production or what was going on. This was like a cinematic television masterpiece. It's really interesting because I remember listening to an interview, this is such a tangent, with Tina Fey once. I can't remember. It might have been on, you know what, I'm not even going to say. I can't remember where the interview was. (laughs) 
<laughs> but Tina Fey said that she remembers getting a call or a meeting from David Cameron once on the set of 30 Rock. And David Cameron is obviously the former UK Prime Minister. And he went to Tina Fey and was like, how can you convince the arts industry in the UK to make more of the same series? Because, you know, The Office in the UK only had like one season. And he was like, to her, Americans create so much more of the same show. Mm. And I wonder if that's actually why, that the UK keep it short and sharp. And that's why we love it so much, because they don't do it to death. They don't drag it out yeah. and kill it. It's not like flogging a dead horse is that flogging a dead horse I think that's the the saying but we never get them right on this show (laughs) I mean about it's a sin going back to it for a second I mean I did hear the creator Russell T Davies say that he had the script for a very long time and it wasn't picked up because people who were you know going to pick it up had thought that the AIDS epidemic had been done Mm. and there was nothing new in this series and I think it's a really interesting perspective because I think you and I are quite similar I agree with you I hadn't watched much about it and I think a lot of people in our generation might be kind of similar so that's why this show came along at the perfect time it is very sad have you finished it yeah 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 I watched every episode in a night oh my god bawled my eyes out like I was drenched in my own tears by the final episode it is so powerful and so beautiful it's incredibly powerful I mean another really good thing that I read about the show is Russell T Davies was interviewed quite a bit about it and he said that every single actor that was cast in this television show who was gay was gay in real life really yeah and he's like he was really tired of straight washing and said that he wanted to make a conscious effort to make sure that every character was gay. I mean, the star of the whole series is a guy called Richie who's played by Ollie Alexander, who is also the lead singer of Years and Years. You know that band? Mm. And they have some tracks and I promise you I'm not <laughs> going to sing them, but they are, have some real tracks. So it was really nice seeing him on the screen. It is an absolute 10 out of 10 watch from me. I couldn't recommend it anymore. I agree. Annabelle, what would you give it if you have to rate it out of 10? A 10. A I'm 10? A 10. I loved it. The acting was like superb in my opinion. Yeah, agree. I'd give it a 10 as well. Dare I say, the TV recommendation, I think, of the last year. Like, I don't think anything stands out like this did to me. Since Normal People, which I love just because I love the book, this was something where I sat down and immediately told all of my family members, you absolutely have to watch this. Do you think we're going to do what other people did to Bridget in and watched it before there was hype? Or relative hype, I should say. We didn't really get in when it was like <laughs> indie. And then everyone's going to watch it and think, oh, this is not nearly as good as I thought. I actually don't think you yeah. can watch it and say that. Thinking back to that last episode, no spoilers, of course, because I want you guys to have the same experience. I don't think you could leave that series and not think it was immaculately done. Yeah, I was a bit shell-shocked in that last episode, I'm not going to lie. Oh, don't. I'm going to cry all over again. People who have watched the show will absolutely know what I mean. But, Mish, we're getting into the first proper segment of the show because we want to talk about Jennifer Coolidge. Jennifer Coolidge. Now, you might be sitting there, you might be on the train, you might be in your car, you might be at home wondering, who is Jennifer Coolidge? And if you had told this name to me a week ago, I would have been like, who the hell is that? Same. I don't know her name, but by God, do I know her face and her voice. Guys, if you're wondering who this is, you will absolutely know once you know she's the actress that played the evil stepmother Fiona in Cinderella Story with Hilary Duff. She also played Paulette, the nail technician in Legally Blonde alongside Reese Witherspoon. Annabelle Lee wants to add the fact that, what did she do? American Pie. She was in American Pie. She was the mum of someone. I've never seen American Pie. Neither. Neither. You 
Oh. <laughs> Okay, so she's famously a part of that movie. For me, she's most famous for Legally Blonde. She is iconic in that. But I'm the same as you, Mitch. Like, I knew her face and knew her very famous lines, but I did not know her name. And so in that spirit, because, you know, you may be driving, you may not be able to Google, you may still be (laughs) desperate to know who Jennifer Coolidge is, Annabelle Lee has very politely put together a little sort of, what are we going to call it? Uh, A homage? A homage to Jennifer Coolidge? A homage, so you know who she is. It's a homage you only do for dead people? She's not dead. (laughs) Please let me go to this dance. (sighs) Sweetheart, now that you're old enough, there's something I've always wanted to tell you and I think you're ready to hear it. You're not very pretty and you're not very bright. I'm so glad we had that talk. Tell him, Paulette. I'm kicking the dog, dumbass. (laughs) I am very, 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 very upset about this. You don't look upset. Oh, it's the Botox. I can't show emotion for another hour and a half. So surely you guys have her in your mind. Big blonde hair. Beautiful woman, incredible actress, absolutely iconic. However, Zara, she has vanished over the last, what, 10 to 15 years? 100%. So that's the thing that's got me. I hadn't thought about Jennifer Coolidge in about 10 years at least. And then suddenly in the last week or so, I see her popping up everywhere. In particular, Mitch, because we wanted to talk about this story that was leading the cut this week that was titled, Jennifer Coolidge once posed as twins to date two men (laughs) at once. And I was like to you, where has Jennifer Coolidge come from if she's starting to, like, lead these stories? Yeah, so she appeared on Kelly Clarkson's talk show, which I had no idea at all that Kelly Clarkson had a talk show, to promote her new film. So she is involved in Margot Robbie's Lucky Chap production, Promising Young Woman. It's a movie I desperately want to see. yet haven't been able to yet. So she was on the press circuit doing a round of interviews. But when talking to Kelly Clarkson, dropped a bomb that on occasion when she's visited Hawaii, she's been a little bit wild. Yes, and this was the thing. Kelly Clarkson says, well, if you're going to tell us you were wild a couple of times in Hawaii, you have to give us an example. And she said, well, quite a few years back, she came to Hawaii by herself. And she said, when you're holidaying by yourself, I quote, you can kind of create anything you want. I ended up meeting these two guys that were best friends and I liked them both. So I told them that I had an identical twin and I dated both guys. I don't know if I would have the guts to do that now. So suddenly this story in Jennifer Coolidge's name is barking everywhere. What I want to know about this and what I want your opinion on is is this even real because what happened was Kelly Clarkson kind of picked up on a thread that Jennifer Coolidge put down originally Jennifer Coolidge said oh I used to be a bit wild when I visited Hawaii when I was younger and then Kelly Clarkson said what's your best story or like give us an example of how wild things got Jennifer Coolidge then went a bit like introspective and said oh god I don't know if this is going to live up to the hype like I don't know if I'm going to be wild enough to live up to what I've just said and then came out with the wildest story I've ever heard is it possible okay let's know hyperbole is this the wildest story you've ever heard playing a twin so you can date two different men for two weeks in a row I just don't think it's physically possible I don't think this is fundamental possible to date two best friends and them not at any point think hey mate I don't think this is an identical twin I think this is the same person I mean at any point did either of them say have you seen yeah have you seen them both (laughs) 
Like, have you ever seen them side by side? I mean, to me, there's a lot of Robert Pattinson telling a journalist once that he saw a clown die at a carnival after the car exploded and lied on his feet. I mean, it's a pretty quick thinking story to tell, but as we know, Robert Pattinson thought and lied once pretty yeah. quickly. I'm sure a lot of people are listening to this now going, I've missed the Robert Pattinson thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll give it to you in 10 seconds. One time Robert Pattinson lied to a journalist and said he was traumatised about clowns because he saw a clown's car explode at a carnival once. The and clown died yeah. at the circus. And then he said, oh, circus, that's not what it is, not carnival. <laughs> and then it came out much later that he just lied through his teeth. He was put on the spot. He needed a good story. And so he lied about a clown dying at his feet. I reckon this is exactly what Jennifer Coolidge has done. Because what you think is, fuck, I've got to be wild. I mean, it's a good story to create on your feet, but they're actors. Isn't this what they do? They tell stories, fake ones. I actually don't even care if it's not real because I feel like Jennifer Coolidge is the quirky, fun aunt we all desperately want in our lives. Like I would kill to have a Jennifer Coolidge in my life. Whether or not she's a pathological liar, it doesn't even matter at this point. It's just the fact that she's so quirky. Well, the opening line of the cut story really summed her up to me. With apologies to Pamela Anderson, I have decided that Jennifer Coolidge is the one true embodiment of a peaceful, sexy life. Here is a woman who, by her own account, was born without any energy, so every day involves at least 12 shots of espresso. <laughs> what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. And with that, I'm wrapping the segment. Wait, are we not going to talk about the fact she could be in the next Sex and the City? Or is she actually? Gonna... No, well, oh, look. Well, there were kind of whispers going around. There's a Sex and City reboot on the way Kim Cattrall who plays Samantha is the only main actress who isn't going to be involved so like Sarah Jessica Parker the other actresses who names escape me now the ones who play Charlotte Miranda they're all in they're all keen they can't wait to do it but there's no Samantha and then the rumor mill started buzzing that maybe Jennifer Coolidge is going to step up and play Samantha in the new reboot which I'll put my hand up. I would fucking love that. Please make it happen. Maybe she is. Maybe that's why everyone's talking about her at the moment. Something's in the water. You know what? Watch this Jennifer Coolidge space. Something's (laughs) going to come out about her and all of this will make sense. A true icon. Coming up after the break, we need to talk about all the stories that make men seem like the absolute worst. Abby Chatfield won I'm a Celebrity Australia. And then, of course, don't ask Dua Lipa about her good looks. But first, it's time for a word from our sponsor. And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Miss <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Michelle Elizabeth Andrews, what do you got? I'm just going to roll. I don't know what was more cringe, you saying Michelle or me saying yo. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's not a hot pot. This is not a hot pot at all. My first story, Adele won't write songs about ex-husband Simon Konecki in divorce still. That is from news.com.au. Zara, I find this to be an interesting one. Mm. They've done the divorce now. I think it was two years in the making to get this across the line. Obviously, a heap of money involved when it comes to this couple. And one of the main agreements in the divorce arrangement is that Adele will not write songs about their divorce or about the heartbreak relating to that relationship. Yeah, it is quite interesting because, I mean, it makes me think a couple of things. Firstly, apparently it's as a mark of respect and also they share an eight-year-old child, Angelo, together. So Mm. I can imagine it gets a bit messy when someone starts sort of thrashing their ex out in public. 
But how do you put a line in the sand and define what is a song written about an ex and what isn't? Like how yeah. can you not just say, oh, this is from past experiences of heartbreak? Or how can you not just say, oh, it was co-written with someone else, it wasn't about us, even though we have sort of a similar experience? Like how do you actually define that? Yeah, I mean we've only really got the base level idea of what this divorce agreement looked like. I wonder if the lawyers had to put in like terms or even yeah. kind of I guess phrases or symbols of that relationship that could be tied back to them. I don't know. I'm thinking of lyrics in the different ways, for example, Taylor Swift might allude to who she's writing about, whether that's Harry Styles or Calvin Harris. Maybe they put in signifiers of their relationship and said all of these things, all of these symbols are off limits. Yeah, I think that's more likely to be the case. And I think with this in mind, I think it would be pretty easy to assume that it wasn't a nice split Mm. and that things could be said and thrown around that might not be great for the character of Simon Konecki. I'm literally just assuming that. But why else? Because I don't think there's anything wrong with writing about heartbreak. In fact, I'd go as far to say that Adele will write and release music about heartbreak because I don't think there's anything especially offensive about heartbreak. I mean, it's pretty flattering to read someone like completely heartbroken over you. The other interesting thing is when she released her album 19, Adele had revealed that her ex-boyfriend that she'd written a lot of the songs about, heartbroken songs, had asked her for royalties. Interesting. Yeah, and she said at the time he really thought he'd had some input into the creative process by being a P, star, star, star. What's that swear word? What's a star, a swear, prick? A prick. You would Is that a swear word? Well, it's not. It's starred in the news article. God knows basically nothing prick. is a swear word according to us. We just let fly unless it's the C word. Yes, I think it's prick. <laughs> anyway. Very British of her. I know, but I just think this is a really curious addition and it actually makes me think more, not less, about what happened in the breakup and I'll be really intrigued to see what music she actually is able to release. I've done a live Google oh, while you've me. been talking and there was a couple of reports back in May 2019 that <laughs> Simon Konecki was texting texting an ex allegedly. before he split. Well, reportedly, reports, reportedly, a- allegedly, <laughs> supposedly, maybe, in quotation marks, texting an ex before they split. That's all I'll say on the matter. Yeah, I just reckon something would have had to have gone down where she could expose a narrative that he didn't want to hear. But that's all I'm saying. Strictly no mentions of text messages <laughs> or overlapping timelines in any Adele songs in the future. My second story, what really happened with Meghan Markle's name on Archie's birth certificate? That is from Vanity Fair. Why are you looking at me? I don't know this story. I didn't put this in. You did. Okay. All right. I'm going to try and do this as succinctly as possible because even I'm still trying to wrap my head around it a little bit. So basically what happened is Archie's, Master Archie's birth certificate was issued in May 2019. Released to the world. We all had a look at it. The names on that birth certificate were Rachel Meghan, Her Royal Highness Duchess of Sussex and His Royal Highness Henry Charles Albert David Duke of Sussex. Far out. Now tabloids, sneaky little devils, have noticed that there was a small but very real change to the birth certificate that happened sometime in the last 18 months. And why do we care? We don't. (laughs) I care because I just want to quickly defend Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, my true like loves in the celebrity scene. So everyone started coming out being like, oh, they changed the names. Meghan and Harry have like tweaked this. It's such a ridiculous tweak. They're so up themselves. They care about the dumbest of things. So tabloids really started coming for them because the words Rachel Meghan were dropped off so that Meghan Markle is just referred to as Her Royal Highness, blah, 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 blah. And then Prince Harry had an additional word put in. The word prince was put his Royal Highness Prince Henry Charles, blah, 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 blah. So all these tabloids started being like, God, they're so annoying. They're so pretentious and ridiculous and their priorities are out of order. But 
It has just come out recently that actually someone at the palace officially petitioned to have the wording changed. So this wasn't a decision from Meghan and Harry. You're looking at me very confused and now I'm filled with regret because this is even interesting. Not really. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to just roll me to the third story? I feel like I'm not strong enough to even try and argue yeah, this. You can't carry the story. All I want to say is Meghan and Harry have great priorities and it's not <laughs> their fault. Should I just get into my third story? Third story. Oh, God. Tail between my legs. All right. My third story, a serious one, Zara. This is an amalgamation of stories that I think proves that sometimes men can truly be the worst. And before we dive in, guys, I do want to give this a trigger warning as well. Some of the allegations that we're going to detail in this next three-part story are very graphic and maybe triggering to some listeners shall we proceed yeah we should because it's not been a great it's there's actually been some really dark news around mish this week about some abuse allegations some assault allegations with high profile men we'll start with the first headline marilyn manson dropped by record label after abuse allegations from actress evan rachel wood that is from the abc absolutely disgusting this one so evan rachel wood who is 33 dated manson 52 since around 2007 she was briefly engaged to him in 2010 and this week in an Instagram post she wrote the name of my abuser is Brian Warner also known to the world as Marilyn Manson he started grooming me when I was a teenager and horrifically abused me for years I was brainwashed and manipulated into submission it's a pretty harrowing thing to read and it's not just Evan Rachel Wood now that's coming out three other women have also come out and posted accusations on Instagram against him too alleging emotional and psychological abuse within the last sort of 10 or so years Marilyn Manson has been dropped by his record label, but he has also called the allegations horrible distortions of reality. So he Mm. does deny anything to be true. Just when you're thinking, God, how heavy, we're sorry to say there is another story. We'll call this story three part B in this Men Are the Worst This Week narrative. This is a story from the Sydney Morning Herald. Andrew O'Keefe no longer employed by seven. If you're listening to us from another country, Andrew O'Keefe is a big media personality, Zara, in Australia. He starred on Weekend Sunrise for a long time and more recently has been involved with game shows. So he's the host of The Chase, which I know is in the UK. It's a very popular game show. It's on like the 5pm time slot. (laughs) Do you not like The Chase? No. Oh, okay. I'm a big... Annabelle, you're nodding. Big fan. Yeah, big fan of The Chase. Not so much now after this report has come out. But yeah, he's a massive name. He's been around for ages. Most notably as well, Zara, on top of being a host for Channel 7, he was also once a White Ribbon chairman. White Ribbon notably was an organisation founded on the principle of ending men's violence against women. Yeah, so actually Andrew O'Keefe co-founded it and was chairman for quite a few years. And what's happened over the weekend is he was arrested by police and charged over an alleged domestic assault on his partner in Sydney. And I think it was on early Sunday morning. One thing to note here, Mish, I don't really want to name the woman just because I'm seeing photos of Pap sitting outside her home and she's a Sydney doctor and not famous by any stretch and I just find it pretty gross that the media will sit outside her home after she alleges something terrible has happened to her and just proceed to always ask her about it. So I'm not going to name her for that reason. But the Daily Telegraph, Mish, does report that O'Keefe is set to appear in court on Thursday. So today, if you're listening to this on Thursday, and police will allege that he punched her in the face, punctured her lower lip, pulled her hair, kicked the back of her legs and spat on her. It is important to note, though, that sources do say that he will plan to fight the allegations in court. I mean, just one thing on the white ribbon thing. So, Mish, you did touch on this at the top of the story. But as we said, Andrew O'Keefe is the former chairman and co-founder of White Ribbon Australia, which is an organisation aimed at eliminating 
domestic violence against women. It went into liquidation in 2019 and it was marred by controversy because I think a lot of people in the space accused the organisation of taking much needed funds and resources from the most urgent space, which was underfunded frontline services. So Mm. there was a bit of criticism levelled at White Ribbon at the time before it went into liquidation that it was kind of just all show, no substance. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out and what happens next. Story three, part C. Elizabeth Chambers is shocked, heartbroken and devastated by the Army Hammer scandal. That is from Cosmopolitan. Of course, we've touched on the Army Hammer evolving situation almost for a month now, Zara. There seems to be new headlines about this every single week. I'm going to read out the statement that his former wife, Elizabeth Chambers, put on Instagram this week. She wrote, for weeks I've been trying to process everything that has transpired. I'm shocked, heartbroken and devastated. Heartbreak aside, I'm listening and will continue to listen and educate myself on these delicate matters. I didn't realise how much I didn't know. I support any victim of assault or abuse and urge anyone who has experienced this pain to seek that help she or he needs to heal. At this time, I will not be commenting further on this matter. My sole focus and attention will continue to be on our children, on my work and on healing during this incredibly difficult time. Thank you for all the love and support and thank you in advance for your continued kindness, respect and consideration for our children and me as we find ways to move forward. Now, I want to put forward one headline that irked me and rubbed me the wrong way this week when it came to this statement from Elizabeth Chambers, because I think that's totally fair enough. She's taken two weeks, two and a half weeks to come out and issue this statement and address the allegations against her ex-husband. I did not like pedestrian.tv's headline this week. And I'm a big fan of pedestrian. I think they do great work, but this headline did not sit well with me. It read, finally, in capital letters, Army Hammer's estranged wife breaks her silence and yeah, their marriage is deaths over. Now, I think this is super unfair. I don't like the inference of finally in capital letters that we need to expect that someone's former partner should have to answer to her former partner's alleged abuse, what, within a couple of days of it coming out when she shares children with that man? Like, I just think it is such an unfair level of expectation on someone who would be going through it. God knows what Elizabeth Chambers might have been through as well. Like, let's not avoid that fact. Let's not bury our heads in the sand. There's every possibility under the sun that this woman has gone through something as well behind closed doors but what because she hasn't come forward and put her name to it and put a statement out there sooner pedestrian writers are asking finally as if like where were you earlier? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It's probably not the most perfectly put together headline. It probably is just not that well thought out, to be totally honest with you. But I do think it speaks to a sentiment that we have online that the minute something happens, any sort of controversy, that the expectation is people need to respond to it straight away. And I find that an incredibly dangerous sentiment online because I think what it does is it expects people to put out these rushed statements when they probably haven't carefully been able to think about things, when they haven't been given the space of time. And I think everybody deserves that no matter what's happened. I agree with that, but I'd go further. I'd say this is sexist. I don't think it's just responding to something quickly online because that's internet culture. I would say this is expecting female partners to be answerable to the mistakes of their male partners. Well, that was going to be my second point. I think that there is an expectation when something happens to a man that the female partner is somehow complicit. Now, if there is evidence of somehow some partner being complicit in the whole thing, I remember Harvey Weinstein's wife went through it. And I think 
think there are a lot of allegations there that she was sort of knew of this abuse and didn't do anything of it. But if there is nothing like that going on in the story, then it is incredibly hard to expect women to answer for their partner's actions when they may not have known what have happened. And I think benefit of the doubt is incredibly important in stories like this, again, assuming they're not complicit. Absolutely, particularly when there are two young children uh, at the centre of it as well. My fourth story, guys, lighter terrain. We're done with all the bullshit from men this week. We're on to... Abby Chatfield. My fourth story is I'm a Celebrity Australia's 2021 winner. Abby Chatfield names the change that helped her win. That is from news.com.au. What was the change? So basically, Don't bury the lead. Come on. I find this really interesting. So as we know, I'm a Celebrity Australia. I think it was the sixth or seventh season this year. It's been going on for a long time. Every other season before coronavirus was aired live. So we would watch the trials play out. We would watch episode by episode and we would vote people out. So who was evicted from the show was decided by the public from episode one onwards. The difference with the show this year was that it was pre-recorded. The only evictions that were made were based on like Tucker trials and challenges. So how well you could, I don't know, Eat a snake. Eat, <laughs> I, eat a, I was going to say eat a frog. I don't know really. <laughs> how well you could eat a frog determined how far you'd go in the game compared to other years when how well you made the, I don't know, best first impression determined yeah, your right. level of time on the show. And Abby's quote to news.com.au really resonated. She said, honestly, if it was a public voting system the whole way through, everyone would have not given me a chance. I'm really grateful that I was able to go all the way to the end and change people's minds about me. That's a really good point. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, she's been on two seasons of The Bachelor. She went on The Bachelor 2019, 2020. Oh, don't do this to me. Not 2020, 2019. 2019. And then she was on The Bachelor in Paradise 2020. People made these snap judgments about her, had these preconceived ideas about her. But when it came to I'm a Celebrity Australia, they had to wait it out. Like she stuck to her guns. She had guts in all of the challenges and she proved herself to be something different to what I guess the Bachelor montage of her proved her to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like she's one of the first former female reality stars who have been able to do really well on a show like this. I mean, you're thinking of Anna Heinrich, Kira Maguire, Erin Barnett. None of them lasted particularly long in the mm. jungle. And I think it may well prove your point and Abby's point that these preconceived notions had them voted out much earlier. So congrats, Abby. What a win and what a deserving crowned winner. <laughs> a smooth ending if I've ever heard one. Very smooth. My fifth and final story for today's Quick and Dirty. Netflix is already making a GameStop movie with Noah Centineo. That is from Junkie. My goodness. So, well... This is a, an interesting story for us to touch on because neither of us really have a fucking clue what's going on. But anyway, in case you missed it this week, Reddit made a hedge fund fall over. Wow. Not really. 100%. That's what Reddit did. They didn't actually fall over because I guess like Wall Street stepped in before it actually fell. But it, Reddit could have made a hedge fund fall over. We are literally talking in words where like if you ask me to define hedge fund right now. I would fall over Lots myself. of money in stocks. Anyway, the stock market was manipulated actually by random Reddit users who all banded together in order to sort of have this sense of people power to sort mm. of really challenge Wall Street. <clears throat> According to Deadline, <laughs> Netflix is already in talks to make an untitled film about the whole saga, which is pretty bloody quick. Yeah, it is quick. Should we give a bit of an analogy to help everyone, including ourselves, with what exactly totally. this saga was? Yes. So I've got a Taylor Swift analogy. No, this doesn't belong 
to me. This belongs to Twitter user at live with two Vs, Ben with two Ns. So she wrote this tweet that went absolutely viral. She wrote explaining shorting a stock slash this GameStop stuff in terms of Taylor Swift. Zara, shall we read this out together so I don't die on the spot because I don't have much nutrition in my body and I need all the help I can get. Go for you it. go first. Okay, fine. Let's say Taylor has five CD copies of me to sell. Originally, they were $5 each, but after seeing reviews and people's reactions to the song, Scott Borchetta, oh, hello, <laughs> thinks the price will decrease. Scott decided to short the me CDs and here's how. He can borrow the CDs from Taylor, sell them to fans for $5, wait for the price to drop, buy back the CDs from fans at a lower price, then sell the CDs back to Taylor at the original price and make a profit. Here's how. Let's say the price of me continues to go down because of reviews and me now only costs $2. The public is convinced they hate the song because of the reviews and want to sell their me CDs. He then buys the five CDs back at this lower price for a total of $10. Since he just borrowed the CDs from Taylor, he has to return all the CDs to Taylor. Taylor is paid. It still makes no <laughs> sense. <laughs> Taylor has no terrible winner. No, it's great. This okay. got like 80,000 likes for good reason. Taylor has to pay Scott Borchetta the original market value for the CDs, which is $25. So Scott Borchetta makes $15 in total. Keep going, Zara. We're okay. We're on, the, we're on the same train. What happens if the price goes up the other way? Let's say Scott is confident and wants to buy more <laughs> CDs to make money. He thinks that Cardigan is going to flop. So, oh, little does he know. So he <laughs> tried the same strategy and buys five Cardigan CDs for $5 each. After Scott buys the CDs, the popularity of the song increases and everyone loves it. Of course they do. Now each cardigan CD is worth $10 each instead of $5. Since Scott only borrowed the cardigan CDs from Taylor, he has to return them. Scott doesn't have the CDs, so in order to return them to Taylor, he has to buy them back. Uh Uh-oh. Scott is now forced to buy the CDs at $10 each. He returns the CDs to Taylor and she pays the original market price. $5 each. So Scott buys the CDs for a total of $50 and only gets $25 from Taylor. So he just lost $25. I love Scott Borchetta being fucked over, by the way. How does this relate to what's happening today? GameStop stock is like the cardigan CDs and the hedge funds are like Scott Borchetta. (laughs) <laughs> it makes sense. Everyone, we're on the same page. We're all on this together. Michelle's trying to convince you by positive reinforcement that this analogy makes any sense whatsoever. The higher the price GameStop shares go, the more money these hedge funds lose. Okay. As more people buy the stock, it will increase in price and these hedge funds will be forced to buy back the stock at the new increased price. The same hedge funds that ruined people's savings in 2008, aka global financial crisis, will now suffer. How did it? Of course, like, I got it, but I had a much better explainer than this that was like <laughs> half the length. But anyway. Anyway, all it means is Reddit came together, Cardigan is GameStop and Scott Borchetta <laughs> is the hedge fund. Anyway. Do you think the context we needed at the beginning of this story is GameStop is a struggling kind of like EB games in the US. So this is a struggling retail company, right? They focus on like bricks and mortar. COVID hit, no one's been out to buy from like your local EB games or your GameStop in the US. So GameStop prices have been plummeting. That's when these hedge funds tried to short the market. That's when Reddit jumped in and said, no, we're going to hike the price up so all the hedge funds lose their money. Are we all on the same page? Because I think we are. I think we are. We should cut this, put it on Twitter and say this is a finance podcast now. That's got to be one of the worst explainers I've ever heard. Anyway, the real pop culture point of this and the reason that we even put it in here is that Netflix (laughs) is already making a GameStop movie with Noah Centineo, which was already in the headline and now you know it all. Does any of this make sense? Am I hallucinating again? Yes or no? None of this ever happened. None of this happened. Hey, is that all you've got for me? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, next bitch. 
In mid-January, Rolling Stone released their highly anticipated cover story with Dua Lipa. In the piece, journalist Alex Morris asked the Grammy award-winning artist about the power of her own beauty. Dua answered politely and then, some three days later, readdressed the question with the journalist. She didn't like it very much. In fact, she'd been stewing on it for days and wanted to come back with a kind of retort. Her work got her to this point, not her beauty. Not much was made of the interaction until Monday when fellow journalist Eleanor Halls wrote a think piece about it on her newsletter titled Writers Are Scared, How Could They Not Be? She argued in that piece that writers like Alex Morris should be able to ask questions about things like pretty privilege without backtracking or fear of pissing off artists and publicists alike. So it poses a couple of key questions. Should the journalist be allowed to ask Dua Lipa about her beauty? And if she is, is Dua Lipa right to deny that it wields any power? Mish, we're going to get to the centre of this to start, but give us a little bit more background on the profile itself. Yeah, so this profile was Rolling Stone's major first cover of the year, right? Like this was huge for them to get Dua Lipa. She is in a series of images wearing like the most colourful, bold, eye-catching outfits you'll ever see. So she's wearing like amazing bodysuits and leotards. She's in colourful mini dresses. She's got big, wavy, supermodel hair. It also looks though, the article itself at the grittier parts of her life. So Dua Lipa talks about her Albanian roots, how her family fled conflict in the Balkans in search of a more peaceful life. The interview, interestingly as well, also talked about how hardworking Dua Lipa is, that she is widely renowned in the industry as being someone who will be the hardest working person in any room, will get off a long haul flight and then head straight to the studio and do a double shift in the studio just to get music down. Totally. And also we focused on how lovely she seems to yeah. be and that not all celebrities are as nice as Dua is to a journalist asking about her life and her family so all of this was covered off before we get to a point in the article where Alex Morris wrote this in fact when enthralled to the natural beauty on display at the museum I casually mentioned Leaper's own beauty that the way she looks maybe had a certain power she goes quiet for a moment and then gives me a generic answer about feeling better when she's taking good care for herself. She's far too poised to be truly prickly, but still I can tell I've stepped in it. Mm. Then later in the piece, the journalist comes back and gives Dewa's reply three days later and Dewa says she'd been stewing on it. This is what Dewa said. I've been thinking about it almost every day and I was just a little bit taken aback. I've never really seen being pretty or beautiful as some kind of power. It's never been something that I identify with and no disrespect to you, obviously, I feel like I was a little bit shortchanged in a way because I don't feel like I've gotten to where I am because of that. I am extremely hardworking and driven and I feel like that's the reason where I got where I am through my hard work and my drive and I just wanted to make that clear because it has been playing on my mind. This is such a fascinating one because I can see it from both. Me too points of view absolutely right? like I can imagine being very pissed off in the moment if I was Dua Lipa thinking this woman's penciling down my success to genetics as if I had no part to play in my own career but I can also see it from the interviewer's perspective that pretty privilege is real and that Dua Lipa is someone who just happened to be scouted when she was working at Topshop and was working as a model before she was working as a singer and openly said in that same interview that modeling was just another thing that could open a door for her and kind of put her face out there so that she could become this world famous pop star. I found the writer Eleanor Halls' newsletter piece that you touched on in your intro, Zara, also really smart and really intelligent. She said, 
I was left frustrated. While Drua makes a valid and compelling point, the interviewer's question was interesting and relevant. Wasn't there room for debate? Pretty privilege is, after all, a giant issue that still gnaws at the centre of the music industry. We would all benefit from unpacking it. But instead, the disagreement was hurriedly shoved under the carpet and muffled silence followed. It's a really interesting line, that one, that idea that isn't there still room for debate? Because I I know what you said before and I kind of agree with you. If you are Dua Lipa and you're put on the spot there asking about your looks, I think it's a lot to expect someone to think rationally and reasonably about a bigger picture in Mm. that moment. Like absolutely you're going to respond emotionally if you feel like, even though I don't think the journalist Alex Halls was doing this at all, you would absolutely emotionally respond thinking this person is penciling down my success to my looks when that's not what she was doing at all. Both things can be true. But I think it does raise this like fundamental question is, is it unreasonable to ask someone like Dua Lipa about the power of her own beauty? Like does that take away from success? And I think two big things about it but may not necessarily agree with each other (laughs) which is just such a classic I think firstly at first impression it's not unreasonable to ask someone about the power of their own beauty I mean you're absolutely right we just touched on the fact that Dua Lipa has admitted that she leveraged her own beauty through a modeling contract because she knew it was going to open doors in the music industry Mm. like that's not an unreasonable conversation to have when she acknowledged that same fact in the same interview yeah I actually find this to be something where people don't want to talk about it right it's a very difficult thing for Dua Lipa to talk about because on top of thinking is this journalist penciling down all my success to my looks? Dua Lipa might have thought, is this journalist trying to catch me out? It is not a likeable thing in today's society or probably in any society in the history of civilization, for a woman like Dua Lipa to put her hand up and go, yeah, I'm really friggin' beautiful. <laughs> I know. Like, I, like what right. do I want her to do? Yeah. Like, in that spot, maybe that was equally her response going, shit, she's about to catch me out or she's trying to make me look arrogant or trying to make me look self-indulged and like I have tickets on myself. I can't talk about my appearance like I know how hot I am because who's going to like me? It's a lose-lose scenario, which is why I think conversations about pretty privilege in the music industry can't be had directly with the musician because it's a lose-lose for the musician. I mean, I mean, I really liked this line from the journalist Alex Morris after the interaction where she wrote, in the blip of silence that follows, my feminism tries to brush itself off. I'm tempted to point out that more than one thing can be true, that an effect can have many causes. Mm. This is absolutely true. And then she sort of backtracked on herself. And I was like, that is true. An effect can have many causes. You can be a really successful artist and be the most talented person in the room and the most beautiful. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't think Dua Lipa or any pop star, I mean, think of every pop star in the public consciousness right now think of every pop star who's popular they're all beautiful and that's for a reason I don't think it's possible for a conventionally unattractive person to achieve the level of success that Dua Lipa has that brings me to my third line of thinking which is why do women get asked about pretty yeah. privilege when men do not? There was a very famous Rolling Stone cover article or cover profile about Harry Styles a couple of years ago that we talked about in this podcast, went viral, everyone loved it. Harry Styles is lusted after by every woman basically under the sun. He is very attractive, everyone admits that. 
I've never seen Harry Styles asked about his looks and asked if he has like, I don't know, if he was born hot and that played some huge role in his career. Talk to us about the power of your beauty. Can you imagine that being levelled at him? I mean, this is my second thought, right? My other competing thought. And it's around this quote that Dua actually gave in December to CBS Sunday Morning. And she said at the time, as a female artist, especially in the pop genre, people immediately think you're manufactured. No one believes that you write these songs yourself. We're met with so much more criticism in terms of like what we wear, what we're doing, what the performance looks like, how we're dancing, how we're singing, if we're singing. Pretty privilege in the music industry is a pretty important conversation to be had if we are, as you say, including men in it. Like the other people I was thinking of were Shawn Mendes, Justin Bieber. Like Mm. I can't imagine them being asked about their face and how they've leveraged it for success. The other added complexity of this, I think, is the reason that men, I believe anyway, aren't asked about pretty privilege is not because it doesn't exist, but because I don't think it wields the same power. Like you don't necessarily need to look a certain way as a man. I mean, yes, there are hot men musicians, but I don't think you need to look a certain way as a man to do the same kinds of things a woman will do. Like the easiest way to have this conversation right now would be to say, well, let's just ask men about it more because it's a really relevant conversation. But I don't think it's that simple because I just don't think it saturates the music industry for men in the same way it does for women. I think that's a fair point and I agree with you but I think even the wording of pretty privilege I mean automatically we're talking about this as if prettiness which we know is stereotypically feminine attractiveness only applies to women if we were calling it beauty privilege or attractiveness privilege which is not anywhere near as catchy I know what what is the sexier what is like the gender neutral term for pretty privilege but that's the thing right like of course we're not having pretty privilege conversations with men because men when they're attractive in a heteronormative sense aren't considered to be pretty they're considered to be handsome So I agree. I don't think pretty privilege yields as much power for men, but I think it's two things at once that also we do just tend to focus on feminine allure. Well, absolutely. But then again, I'm arguing against myself because I'm like, don't ask the artists about it because they can't win. (laughs) So who do we ask? We just talk about it ourselves without famous people in the room, which is exactly what we're doing, Mish. That seems unlike me to argue against myself for the third time (laughs) in the same segment. Hey, if you guys do have thoughts on this about what you were said, about what the journalist asked, about pretty privilege in the music industry, please call our hotline you know where it is it's on our website shameless podcast slash hotline i think (laughs) (laughs) is it shamelessthepodcast.com slash hotline i'm gonna actually fact check that while you do the rest of this outro um (laughs) thank you for your help please give us your thoughts we really really want to hear them in the meantime we will be on instagram at shameless podcast we will be on facebook at shameless book club and we'll be back in your ears on monday with another in conversation we absolutely will and my fact checking prowess is here because yes you're right shamelessthepodcast.com forward slash hotline see you guys there bye (laughs) pray for me Oh, hi. It's Annabelle Lee and Louis Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo! Woo! We are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week now. Every damn Friday morning, we are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time <laughs> to be in your ear holes. So essentially, each episode, we unpack the real life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in mm-hmm. their lives, which, let's be real, Annabelle, is all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to to our show, please do head to your favourite podcast app and listen now. See you there. Bye.